1: Ray and Glenn, Saturday morning, 94 WIP. Let me give you the numbers. We do have uh, – I know we're going to have time this segment to get in some calls. we got a packed show today, including Mitch Williams for Tell Us Your Story at noon. But this is a segment where I built in some time to take calls. So if you want to get on the air, 215-592-9494. All right, Ray. Before that, it is time for this week in Philadelphia sports history brought to you by Shibe Vintage Sports where there's a story in every stitch check out their throwback apparel at their Center City location or shibesports.com all right ray it was way back in 1989 the flyers are playing the washington capitals in the playoffs third periods. flyers lead s- 7 to 5 well, That was not a very tight defensive game, was it, now?
2: No, it was not. Uh,
1: Killing a penalty late in the third period. The puck goes behind the Flyers' net, and here's what happens.
2: Keep in mind, the Flyers have a
0: two-goal lead, Mm. and the Flyers are also shorthanded. And there may be time for a first for Ron Hextall in the playoffs. The situation would be
3: right as Peters heads off right now. Hextall stops Whoa. it. Flips Look out. Down the ice. we has got a chance. It? He's got a chance. He's got it. Yeah. Yes, sir.
4: Yes. The first time ever it's happened
5: in the playoffs. Ron Hextall with a minute and two seconds to go.
1: <laughs> it is eight to 8-5 in favor of the Flyers. All right, first of all, how about Doc Emmerich foreseeing it before it happens? Yep. That's what made Doc great. Unbelievable. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, then, by the way, there was Doc Emmerich and Bill Clement, which was such a great combo, man. That You know, we talk about great play-by-play teams right. in our city, and we've had a lot of them. Oh, we have. Uh, and we have we have a lot of them today. Marilyn Mike is great today. Scott in L.A. is great today. We'll see how the other guys who are going you to know, work in the Phillies games go. But we've had some great broadcasting teams. Uh, I like Kate Scott and Allah. I think they're doing a very nice job.
2: I do, too. They're very good together.
1: Um, but way back in the day, that was a really great one with Doc Emmerich and Billy Clement. Anyway, you you heard what just happened. Uh, the Flyers are in the playoffs. Hextall scores with a minute and two left in the game. Gives them a 3-2 to two edge in the series. Two days later, they beat the Capitals uh, and win the series. Uh, and advance, I'm trying to remember who they ended up. They lost to Montreal that year in '89. Yeah, I, I forget think so. who they lost to in '89. Anyway, um, but it was his second goal. Uh, he had actually scored his first goal. Uh, and Ray, what I didn't know is that you have a you got a little a uh, little part of this story here.
2: Well, sort of. Um, that season when Ron Hextall, the, the year when Ron Hextall was a rookie. Not that particular year, but the year that he was a rookie. Um, he December came... eighth,
1: 1987.
2: Yep, he... he came up. Pelly Lindbergh had uh, had been killed in the car crash. Uh, the Flyers open the season uh, with Ron Hextall, who was called up from the minor leagues, starts the opening game against uh, Edmonton, wins the game, uh, and all of a sudden becomes this sensation. And played and went on, and, you know, at that point, Mike Keenan says, he's my goalie, and... Um, and and he goes on his run and he's winning games and you know getting in fights <laughs> and he's uh, he's really kind of a revelation really because nobody knew all that much about him. No, unless he was were...
1: unique uh, as a, he was one of the well, most unique is not a real thing, but he was totally unique as a player uh, when he came up because goalies didn't do either of those t- two things that you're talking about.
2: No, no, they didn't. Uh, yeah, I mean, some guys would handle the puck a little bit, but not like he did. Uh, not that they would skate it out like he did. Not that they would defend their crease the way he did. Not that they would drop their gloves and fight the way he did. I mean, he was uh, – and then he did all the all the goalie stuff on top of it. He was a really good goalie on top of all this stuff. Um, and so, I guess, you know, four or five weeks into the season when Hextall's becoming really kind of a thing in the city – Sports there at the Daily News. I was still at the Daily News. Uh, Mike Rath said, "Why don't you go do a? Why don't we go down there and do a profile about this guy? Tell us because we know he comes from a hockey family. We know his father played. His grandfather scored a Stanley Cup winning goal for the Rangers. And you know, there's a whole chain of Hextalls. There's a whole lo- chain of Hextalls oh, right. in, in the NHL. So you know, go write a story about him and the whole Hextall family. So I'm fine. Sounds like fun to me. So I went down and interviewed." Hexy after a practice, and uh, it could not have been a nicer guy. I mean, he was great. We just sat and we talked, and we're talking about all the usual stuff, and then um, he just volunteers, I mean, just totally volunteers, that uh, and I'm going to be the first NHL goalie to actually score a goal in a game. You know, and none of this stuff that bounces in off somebody else and the goalie. No, I'm going to score. I'm going to shoot and score a goal. I'm going to be the first NHL goalie to do it. And I laughed. I thought he was kidding around. And he gave me this look like, what are you laughing at? Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then he went on to explain, you know, that, you know, I practice this stuff. You know, in practice, I just, you know, before practice, I'm out there skating. And, you know, I'm carrying the puck. And, you know, I, I, can, I can hit a wrist. I can hit the corners with a wrist shot from center ice. He said, I can really shoot the puck. Um, and he said, look, I'm not going to be stupid about it. And, and this gets into what Mike Emmerich is saying, that the Flyers are killing a penalty which means that Hextall can shoot at the length of the ice and not get an icing call. So he can take that shot, and it's not going to be icing. So um, he said, uh, you know, uh, if the situation has to be right.
1: right, It was uh, a a little more than a minute left in the game, and they had a two-goal lead. Right, yeah. We got a
2: a two-goal lead. We're killing a penalty. We're trying to ice the puck anyway. Um, If the situation is right, I'm going to take a shot at it, and I can do it. And so when I wrote the story about Hextall, uh, I led with that. I led with this, this you know, him just saying, very matter-of-factly, yeah, I'm going to be the first goalie to score a goal. And, um, and lo and behold, he was. And I remember talking to Dave Poulin about it, like, the next day. And I, I'm sort of laughing about it. I said, you know what Hexie told me yesterday? He said, you know, he says he's going to be the first goalie to actually score a goal in an NHL game. And Poulin said, oh, yeah, he will and I, and and he said you know we see him in practice the way he handles the puck the way he can shoot the puck yeah he absolutely is going to be the first guy to do it and it wasn't that far into the season that he did do it but uh i want to i want to lay claim to the fact that i was the first one to actually write about
1: it wow that's pretty good that's very good uh yeah he he was so much fun to watch the first time around um you know the second time around he was a little tamer and and not as talented but when he came up, and those first couple seasons, and as you said, he would fight people, I mean you know there's the the famous the famous thing where he he got even for the cheap shot on brian Propp, right With yeah he Chris went Chelios. yeah and yeah. just <laughs> crushed him, and there's the time he used his goalie stick like a like an axe chopping down trees, he did that a few times and earned some suspensions uh but he did that, and there was always excitement when he played he he was one of the more Fun players I, over the years. If if you're going to make a list all sports of the most exciting players to watch, he's. I think he's young Hextall, Hextall version one is on my top ten.
2: Oh yeah, oh yeah. And uh, you know during play stoppages when he would bang his hockey stick on yeah, the when he yeah, would bang yeah, his yeah. goalie stick oh, on the gosh. on the crossbar. Yeah, and you'd hear that clanging sound yeah. all over the building. It was really he was a show. I mean he was really. A show, and the thing that I remember about covering him, and I admired this tremendous. I admire this in an athlete that can do this, and this kid did it all every time. He always blamed himself. Like if the team lost a game, he said, "Blame me. You know, I'm the one to. You know, I'm the puck got past me." <laughs> it's, there was he was the he was one of the he was one of the most accountable players that I've seen come through the city. He never he never never even suggested that anybody else was at fault if they lost a game. He always he always pointed the finger at himself, even when it was not deserved. I mean, he was always quick to step up and take the fall. And i it's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing to do. And you look around professional sports, Lord knows these days, and nobody wants to do that. But he did it all the time. I really I really respect it. It's one of the reasons why his teammates loved him.
1: And, hey, by the way, our uh, Tell Us Your Story guest at noon is a guy who certainly rose to that occasion. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Mitch Williams, uh, when he gave the home run to Joe Carter, I think one of the reasons that people in this town embrace Mitch Williams is because he didn't put that on anybody. He did put it on himself, and we will talk to him about that in that interview. Uh, One last thing on this, because you talked about the way he used to, uh, during the whistles, the stoppages, he used to uh, bang the pipes. Right. Uh, We bought the house that I live in now. We bought uh, when he was in his glory with the Flyers. And back when my kids were young – uh, kids in this neighborhood used to have street hockey games that would last all day. Actually, I would play in them, and adults would play in them, and kids would play in them, and, you you know, you just kind of, everybody, we, there would be 5-year-olds and 15-year-olds and 45-year-olds, and we would just have these four-hour street hockey games, and you'd go in and have lunch, and you'd come out, and the game was still going, and a couple other kids would come, and by, come by, and this kid's little sister wanted to play, and they, it was great. It was one of the things I loved about my neighborhood. And there was a little boy on the street Eight nine years old who wanted to play goalie, and so he gets in there. and Every stoppage, he did the Hextel pipe. Little kids would emulate that, and I always <laughs> thought that was that was pretty funny. The way years ago, well, I guess no, it actually probably was around the same time. You would see kids in Little League games do the Mike Schmidt kind the wi-
2: of the wiggle at the plate. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Or before that, it wasn't really here as much. Cincinnati, the Joe Morgan flapping of the wing. arm. Yeah. Yeah, it's always fun when you see little kids watch their heroes and then try to emulate them and that's what they used to do. Uh okay, one other thing I want to bring up this this uh segment by the way 592 uh, 215 two one five, five nine two ninety four ninety four. Ray the Masters is going on and I guarantee you that one out of every 5 people mo- no more than one out of every 5 people is able to tell you who's leading right now. That's true. By the way, it's Scotty Scheffler, who's got a five-stroke lead going into today. Yep. uh, And a 250 tee-off. But what everybody can tell you is Tiger Woods made the cut, played the – walked, which is what I'll ask you about in a moment, walked the first two rounds, did okay. He was two over 74 yesterday. He's one over. He's tied for 19th. Right. Actually, not, not bad. Striking distance, I guess. Um but the, the miraculous thing is that he played. He's playing. Yep. And I know you were very excited about this thing. I'll get your thoughts.
2: Yeah, I was. I was. Uh, because, I mean, there were, listen, I mean, that car crash, and you can blame him for it. I mean, I'm not oh, try, yeah. I'm not going to try and make right, he's him. Th-
1: he's not a hero in this No,
2: story. no, no. And I'm not trying to make him be one. But re- if you remember, if you read the reports of the accident that he was in in Los Angeles, I mean, for, for a time, the doctors were thinking of amputating his leg. I mean, that's, this wasn't just like a, a minor break. I mean, they, they were thinking seriously of amputating his leg. Um, and they put it back together again, and it, right now it's all full of screws and plates and everything and, and rods. It's, there's very little bone in there. Uh, and the feeling was, okay, he'll walk again, but the idea that he's ever really really going to play true competitive golf is beyond question. I mean, it's not going to happen. Uh, and even he kind of suggested that uh, for a time. But then he started coming back, and you heard reports that he was out playing and then he played in that exhibition thing with his son last year and played pretty well riding in a golf cart, but he was hitting the ball and then a month or so ago you heard, well, you know guess what he 's dropping in at augusta playing to practice and so he 's not just going to augusta for a little just for a little fun this isn 't for hahas if he was going to augusta i mean i 'm saying he's he's he 's practicing i mean and if if he can walk around that course and he feels like he can compete, he's going to play. And sure enough, here he is. Now, yesterday it looked like he was going to shoot himself out of the tournament. Uh, he, had yeah, like he had a rough four, Yeah, four of the first five holes he bogeyed, and it looked like he was on his way to being, not making the cut. But then he pulled it together on the back nine, survived the cut, and he's nine shots back right now, but he's only four shots out of second place. So, I'm, and listen, there's nobody, nobody is happier than this than the TV networks.
1: Oh gosh, yes. Because they, now
2: people are going. To, now people have a reason to watch this weekend. Yes,
1: yes. Listen, golf has golf to me is only interesting when the players are interesting, and right. most golfers are not interesting to me. I don't really want to watch Shane Lowry against Hideki Matsuyama against Charles Schwartzel and Kevin Na. Ray, I'm looking at those names because I couldn't give them to you off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. The guys I know on the leaderboard are Dustin Johnson, who I like. He's like the guy I would root for, and Scotty Scheffler. Mm-hmm. i I be honest with you, as a casual golf fan, I don't even know most of these other guys. Yeah. All Scheffler's right?
2: really good. Scheffler's
1: game is yeah. rock solid. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah, really good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no fluke that he's winning this thing. Golf works best when, actually, it works best when there's a great rivalry. Which there hasn't been for a while, right?
2: Yeah, not since Tiger and and uh, Mickelson were really right. kind of at Tiger their peak. Tiger and
1: Mickelson was was pretty good. Um, I guess Craig Norman for a while, but you knew you always knew he was going to lose, right? VJ Singh, yeah, I guess, but he was he was really boring. I mean, you go back to like Arnie and and Jack, right? Which yeah. I know goes way back, but that's it's one of those golf and tennis and certain sports like that work really well because they're individual sports. You want the rivalry. They don't have a rivalry now, and they really don't have a lot of compelling figures. It's just not – most people don't know and don't care. But they don't care about Tiger Woods, and you're right. The networks are showing every shot he makes. He's in 19th place. But it's like, all right, we're, we're going to go off a of Scheffler now, and we're going to show you Tiger Woods on his second shot.
2: Yep. Yeah. Oh, they – believe me, all the network guys were down on their knees praying. Yeah. Yesterday afternoon, the Tiger – survived the cut didn't he didn't have to be at at the top I mean that would have been gravy if he had been but just just get to the just get to Saturday okay just get to Saturday get us that weekend audience and he managed to do that and you know now we'll see I mean five stroke lead after 36 holes ties is tied for the biggest lead in in the history of the tournament uh, and uh, we'll see you know Scheffler has won tournaments before but he's never won a major uh, and he's never led in a major so this is uncharted water for him. You know, he's you never been in this position yeah. where he's got two rounds to go and he's got a five-shot lead for the Green Jacket. Let's, You know, he's a really good player. And as I said, he's got a real solid game. There's really no weakness in his game. But let's see how he deals with the pressure because he's going to be feeling it today. Yeah.
1: Let's talk to Rich in Huntington Valley. You're on with Ray and Glenn. Hello, Rich. Good morning, guys. I just had a thought about Mickey Moniak.
5: The poor guy struggled for five years in the minors, and he finally finds himself. And the day before opening day, he gets hurt, and he's out for four to six weeks.
1: I know. I know. It's it's a shame. I really feel bad for him. Yeah, I think we all do. I think we all do.
2: Because he was a guy that, I mean, everybody had written off. I think even to a large degree the organization, to be honest with you. Um, exactly. if I mean if it isn't for if it isn't for Herrera getting hurt, I'm not even sure he gets a sniff down in Clearwater. But the opportunity presented itself and uh give him credit I and mean, give the coach give the hitting coach Kevin Long credit for adjusting his stance and adjusting his swing. And he got the he was handed the opportunity, probably his last one, and he took advantage of it, had a monster spring, and then <laughs> the the last preseason game before they come north, he gets hit by a pitch and breaks his hand. It's just it's really, really a tough break. You just, you just hope it doesn't derail him.
1: I hope so, too. All right, Rich. Appreciate Thanks for bringing that up. Ray, uh, terrible news. Just uh, tweeted by Adam Schefter uh, involving a, a young former NFL player, Dwayne Haskins. A standout at Ohio State before struggling to catch on with Washington and Pittsburgh in the NFL. Died this morning oh my God. when he got hit by a car in South Florida oh my per God. his agent, Cedric Saunders. Haskins would have turned 25 on May 3rd.
2: Oh, jeez. Wow.
1: That is a a tragic story.
2: Wow. Yeah, it really is. It really is. I mean, he was a big-time player at Ohio State, Heisman Trophy finalist, first-round NFL draft pick of Washington, um, was the starting quarterback, you know, for that team. And they Mm -hmm. thought that he was the guy they were going to build around, and it never quite happened for him. Uh, And then he went to Pittsburgh to try and get his career back on track. Um, oh, what a, what a sad story. I didn't know that. Mm-mm. Oh, my well, goodness. Well, it just
1: happened. I mean, it just report just came out. So. Wow. Very sorry to hear that. All sympathies to his friends and family. Uh, all right. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. Coming up, we do have time for your calls, and I'm going to give you a review, Ray, of a TV show. <laughs> I'm going to put you this way, Ray. Mm-hmm. A TV show that you would like... And we'll never watch. Oh,
2: there's but a lot others, of those.
1: Yeah, I know there are. Uh, and and others will watch this. And it's it's good stuff that I discovered. We'll talk about that. Don't forget, Mitch Williams tells your story at noon because it's baseball season. Ray, it's baseball season. Say it. Phillies, 89 wins. <laughs>
2: right. uh, I'm not quite there
1: yet. I know. You'll, hey, they sweep this homestand against a pathetic A's team. I'll catch you and we'll, you'll be there. We'll see. All right. Hey, by the way, so tonight I am uh, doing the emceeing in the uh, post theater. Uh, what do you call it? Back talk. You don't call it back talk. No, what we
2: you've got it backwards. It's called talk back. Talk back.
1: <laughs> All right, fine. for Tommy and me at the Bucks County Playhouse, and I'm looking forward to that. Ray, if the Phillies are two and zero at that point, yeah, which they very may well be.
2: Yeah, I probably should be playing this team.
1: I am going to ask you in front of cast and audience if you are aboard the bandwagon yet. Oh, don't do this to me. Ray, I'm just trying to sell tickets for you. <laughs> well,
2: People come on out and see, see,
1: yeah. okay. see the play. Okay. we've do had had you'll hear we've, Ray's answer.
2: No, we've had, we've had two really, really good nights at the play, and we'll be there tonight and again tomorrow. If you know, anybody wants to come out and see Glenn and I tonight and see Tommy and me, come on out, Bucks County Playhouse, 8 o'clock curtain, um, or get tickets for tomorrow's show at it 2. It's it's really been going good, Glenn. The Buck's County Playhouse is everything a everything I thought it was going to be.
1: Yep. 215 592 Hey, are you tired of dealing with your old drafty windows and doors in your house? Well, maybe it's time you finally go Guide. It. The great people at Guida Door and Window will help make your window and door replacement project more affordable with their buy one, get one half off sale. For every door or window you buy, you get a second one at 50% off, and you can mix and match the savings to suit your own needs. Buy an entry door get half off a storm door. Buy a patio door, get 50% off a window. If you need to replace all the windows and doors in your house, it's easy because you save 50% on half the project. The more you need, the more you save. Plus, Guida is making it easier for you to afford your project with no money down and interest-free financing for up to 18 months. Act Now offers for a limited time only. Restrictions apply for full details. Call Guida today. Schedule a free, no-obligation in-home estimate at 1-877-GO-GUIDA or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A dot com. From the Augusta National Golf Club, Westwood One Sports presents this special
0: report on the Masters. I'm Ted Emmerich. After a 4-over 76 on Thursday, Justin Thomas looked headed toward slamming his trunk and heading home this evening. But Thomas won't just play the weekend here. He might be a factor. Nine iron for Justin Thomas. And he's got to stand on this. Starts it out to the right flag is on the left takes a big hop to the left from 166 here this one comes down the hill hang on a second justin thomas has hit it to a couple of inches
2: whoa stewart sink made a hole in one
1: about an hour ago and jt just about put it in on top of him what a shot
0: Brian Kigtrick, the call on at 16 there on Sirius XM. Thomas with the kick in birdie. He's five under for the round. Best score of the day. JT is six off the lead. Scotty Scheffler, seven under par. And he's got three feet for birdie coming up at 16. You're listening to coverage of the 2022 Masters on Westwood Watt.
6: My name is Douglas. I'm 79 and I live in Chicago. I'm a writer, director. I used to be a marathon runner. Now I'm a walker. In the kind of work that I do, you are surrounded by people who are all younger than you. Memory became a factor. As everyone gets older, where did I put my keys? But I had to get help somewhere along the line to stay competitive. I happened across Prevagen and I started taking it. I saw myself having an improved memory, which at the same time, I felt better about myself. I could not be doing what I'm doing today had it not been for Prevagen. Prevagen, healthier brain, better life.
0: Douglas is a paid testimonialist and real Prevagen user. Based on a clinical study of subgroups of individuals who are cognitively normal or mildly impaired, this product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Tiger Woods is going to make the cut in his first tournament since the car crash last year. Sporting a turquoise golf shirt and navy pants, Woods on the green at 18. Two over for his round and one over for the tournament. He's eight off the lead. Let's check the leaderboard. Sponsored by Prevagen. Prevagen is the most recommended memory support brand by pharmacists. Woods doffing his cap after making his par putt at 18. Acknowledging the patrons, Woods at one over Heading into the weekend, the leader is Scotty Scheffler at seven under par. Scheffler with three holes to go, four under today. Charles Schwartzel, Sung J.M., Shane Lowry, Hideki Matsuyama, all at three under, four shots back of the number one player in the world. From Augusta, I'm Ted Emmerich, Westwood One Sports.
3: Mr. Gray will remember everything that he has ever known. But the treatment will only
7: work
6: once.
3: Is that what you want?
6: I got a lot of things to do.
1: And I need my memory to
3: do it. There you go,
1: Ray. That is a show called The Days of Ptolemy Gray on Apple TV+. Uh, and I, I, this is my advice to anybody. To you, <laughs> And to anybody, if you don't get Apple TV Plus, I don't know how many people do. You know, it's one of the streaming services that you have to pay for. Get it for a month, and most of these have like introductory offers. Get it for a month for four bucks, and you know that's it. Get Apple TV Plus for a month. Watch this. Watch Severance. If you remember, Ray, that Severance is like a science fiction show I reviewed a couple weeks ago. I remember. Which has now uh, the first season finished and it got better and better. Severance is a great show. Ted Lasso is on Apple TV Mm -hmm. Plus. The Morning Show, which I really liked. I know you spoke to Michael Barkan about that as well. Michael loves it. I love it too. Coda, the the winner, the best movie of the year, Coda's on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's where you watch Coda. It's probably other places now, but that's where it started. Mythic Quest was a good show. Apple TV Plus has a lot of good stuff. You know, like just get it for a short period of time, binge, you don't have to pay forever. Um, there's a show on there that I'm intrigued I want to watch called Slow Horses, which is a, a, a British cop show. Hello, right up my alley. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the one I do want to talk about today is this one, it's and and the name is a little tough to remember, Days of Ptolemy Gray. And Ptolemy J is Samuel L. Jackson, who stars as a geriatric uh widower, he's like 90. Uh, in this series. And his problem is that he's got Alzheimer's uh, and it's coming and it's coming at an alarming rate and he can't remember anything. But his body is really strong. His body is stronger than that of a young man. Um, he's marginalized. He's old. He's poor. He's black. He lives in a little messy apartment uh, in Atlanta. He's got a nephew who looks out for him, but in the show, the nephew gets in the series. Nephew gets murdered early in the series. This is important. Um, So we get to the part where you know the character actor Walter Walton Goggins. Yes, okay, he's in it, uh, and he plays a doctor who's an Alzheimer's expert, developing a cure for the disease. And um, Samuel L. Jackson goes to see him, has an appointment. Great news. They have a cure. One shot for Alzheimer's will completely restore your memory, not just like what you had for dinner last night or what you watched on TV, but you will remember everything that ever happened in your life, the good stuff and the bad stuff. And Mm -hmm. in this case, there's some real bad stuff. There's a problem, though, the side effect. Not the side effect, but the bottom line. There are side effects, high fever and so on. But the bottom line is, It doesn't work forever. And when it's done, when it wears off, you're not going to just be back at square one, but you're going to actually be more addled than you were before. Now, we've seen this plot line in other ways before. You remember Flowers for Algernon? Sure. Which they made into a movie, Charlie. Right, with Cliff Cliff Robertson. Right, he won the Oscar for that. He won
2: the Oscar for that,
1: right. Right, and um, there was a thing with Robert De Niro... And Robin Williams. And Robin Williams it's called they? Awakenings. Awakenings, where uh, they got, he got a shot of l Dopa, and it worked. And Robin Williams, who had been, I am not Robin where I was, Ro- Robert De Niro, who hadn't been able even to respond, suddenly becomes, has full awareness, but it wears off. So we've seen this plot before. And here it is again. The difference is, well, let me back up. So he agrees to take the shot. And it is it is the Faustian deal, right? Because he knows in the end it's it's not going to happen. But he knows that the nephew who was murdered early in there and wants to figure out, wants to solve the crime. Uh, there are also references to things that happened early in his life. He witnessed the lynching of his uncle and he had a thing with his wife. But the bottom line thing is he knows that the nephew who cared for him was murdered and he believes that if he gets Full alertness and awareness and mental capabilities. He can solve the crime. He's in a race to solve it before the shot wears off.
2: Now, did he you say, was he, he was. was he a cop? Does he have any no. background
1: in this? No, but it's going to make him smart enough that he's going to be able to do it. Oh, okay. Um, and that's the plot. And that's the story. There's a lot of plot elements. There's, it's six episodes. And at one point, I think you could say they either should have made more episodes or taken a couple of the various uh, superfluous plot lines out because it gets a little bit too crowded. But the bottom line is, it's Samuel L. Jackson, and he's great. Uh, And you see him as an old man, and then you see him as kind of a a bit of a younger man. They do some great makeup or CGI or something. And it's a very compelling story, and I recommend it. Um, Once again, it is called The Last Days of Ptolemy Gray Mm -hmm. on Apple TV. Uh, and I'm not a spokesman for Apple TV. I get nothing from them. I pay them. I pay. Ray, I've told you about my cable bill. I, pay, I have heard about your cable I pay, bill. I, I, I get every streaming service there is. And my wife says, what are we, what are we doing? We, we <laughs> got to cut back on this. She says, all right, we, we got to lose one. All right, are we losing Netflix or Amazon? I said, no, we're not losing either of those. I like, okay, we'll lose BritBox. It's like, no, you can't take away my BritBox. So, I get them all, but I will tell you that Apple TV Plus is about one of the best, and all of those shows I said Severance, Ted Lasso, Morning Show, Mythic Quest, Code of the Movie, uh, and this one, The Days of Ptolemy Gray, are really worth seeing, and I highly recommend
2: it. Well, that's good. Samuel L. Jackson's really good. Yeah. Seen him in, I mean, he's made some movies that were kind of junk, but. Well, he
1: sometimes plays Samuel L. Jackson as he does on those commercials with Barkley, right? Yeah. Yeah. But he's but but when he's got a meaty role, man, he is he is really really good. Yeah, and this he's on screen for ninety five percent of this. Yeah, so I recommend it. There you go. Okay. All right, let's go to Pat in Blackwood. You're on with Ray and Glenn. Hi, Pat.
5: Hey guys, great show as usual.
1: Hi, Pat. How are you?
5: Very good, Ray. Much respect for you. I, I'm in a little older, I guess, than you. I'm seventy nine, and I've been I've been an Ace fan back. My my idol was First Man, who Came to my house when I was nine years old, and I was sick, and he gave me a baseball and a signed autograph, and I remained in constant contact with him until he died at eighty years old. So wow, that's really yeah
2: that's, yeah, that's 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 a great story. Yeah, Ferris Fain, Ferris Fain was uh was one of my grandmother's favorite players.
5: Two times batting champion. Yeah. Yep. Uh, what I want to call up about is Harden. Okay. Now, uh, so far, you know, I'm not. 100% pleased either what's going on. But I have this sneaky feeling that Arden didn't forget how to play already. I think, this is my only opinion, he hasn't looked good, and you're right on the ball about his lift and everything. That hamstring, he's nursing that thing. But I think you're going to see a different Harden in the playoffs. I could be wrong, but I, I, I think he's just nursing it until he gets to this playoffs, and you're going to see this guy be another player.
1: Well, I, I hope you're right. The problem, Pat, is the history of him in the playoffs is not great. Yes, it is. So I know. it's it's not where you can say like, hey, look how he rose to this yeah. clutch performance and you know took his team to the championship. It's it, he's not known as a great playoff, a playoff excuse me, guy. player. And so I think you're you're operating on hope.
5: Well, it's a lot okay. of hope. To, it's hope too. I, I just think that he really wants to win this championship because he knows his time is limited. He's got be." I just think he's going to come through. It could I be I
1: hope wrong. so, man. Thanks, thanks I, for the hey call, Pat. I hope you're right. Yeah. I think
2: you know. I think every fan in the city's hoping you're right. That, yeah. Yeah. you know, because yeah, I mean, we know we know what the expectations were, and we know what the excitement level was when the deal was made. And for the first little while, man, it looked it looked beautiful. <laughs> I mean, the Sixers became appointment viewing at that point. Remember the TV ratings for the first few games?
1: Yeah, it was the highest since the 2001 playoffs.
2: Yeah, it was the highest since Iverson. Yeah. And uh, and that that was the level of excitement that that guy brought, and you know now it's kind of like uh oh we're kind of where Pat is we're just kind of hoping you know that eh, he'll be fine you know get, you know he'll peak for the playoffs. You know, and, but I, I kind of agree with you. I think it's more hope than realistic,
1: and which doesn't mean it can't happen. No, but no, no, it can happen. I would feel a lot better. I felt a lot better two weeks ago than I do today. I'll put it to you that
2: way. Yeah, yeah, I know. And they got a bad indie team today, so they'll probably you know they'll probably win this one handily. But
1: I think today is the game you talked about last week. They're going to win by twenty five points today. Yeah, that it
2: kind of has that. It kind of has that feel to it. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you're right at the ship. No, you know? I mean, <laughs> not at all. The bigger challenges lie down the road.
1: Yeah. Yes, they do. Robert in Germantown is with us. Hi, Robert. Good morning, guys. Always a pleasure on my
4: Saturday morning drive to listen to you, too. Thank you. Um, question, question for you guys. Uh, two questions, really. First for you, Glenn. Who's your favorite actor, having played my favorite British detective, Sherlock Holmes? Who would you go with?
1: Who's the favorite one who played Sherlock Holmes? Can I, go yeah, with Basil, I can I go way back with Basil Rathbone? Hey, you and I think alike. Or my father used to call to him that. Nasal Bathrobe. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that series, that Basil Rathbone. I, I will tell you, and, and, you know, I talk about my dad on this show, my dad Marv. Uh, and I'm, I love my dad, and he's doing great. Um, when I was a little boy, my father loved those Sherlock Holmes movies. And, of course, right. you know, this is before you could just watch anything when you wanted to watch anything. And on TV at night, like ten o'clock on Friday nights or something like that, they had Sherlock Holmes or Charlie Chan or these old black and white detective movies on the local VH UHF station. And I would stay up. I'm, I'm like ten years old. I'd stay up to midnight watching these with my dad. And it's it's a really fond memory for me. So I'll I'll go with uh, nasal bathrobe. Me <laughs> too.
4: And that guy that played Watson was a Nigel something or other. the... Google. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh what Question do you got you. what do you got on the draft? Well, for you, Ray, here's the part that I don't understand. So I used to be in the corporate world. If I'm Howie Roseman, I don't get why he doesn't defer the whole draft process to some guy that really knows what you are doing. Either way, he's gonna take the credit if he gets it right. And if the guy screws it up, how ass is uh, pardon the language, how he's his butt is covered. I don't understand why he doesn't approach the draft that way. I don't know what Goes on with this. Maybe you got some insight on
2: that. Well, no, probably not a whole lot more than you do, Robert. Uh, uh, I mean, Howie has the final word. Uh, Howie has the final say. Um, there are a lot of people in the room uh, all the scouts, all the area scouts, uh, and they got a bunch of them. They're analytics guys. I mean, there are a lot of people in the room and have all got input. But at some point, somebody has to make the final call. And um, the, way it, the way it's set up now, it's, that's Howie. Now, it wasn't always. You know when Andy was, you know when Andy was the coach. Andy made the call. I mean, everybody kind of had their say, but when it came right down to it, Andy would Andy would be the guy would say, "No, we're taking, you know, we're taking this guy." Like I mean, I remember the story about Nick Foles that, you know, that Andy walked over to the board and took the Nick Foles card off the board and walked over and slapped it down on the table and said, "This is the guy we're taking." Mm. And that's kind of the way it worked. I mean, it, you know, everybody kind of had their say, but in the end. You know, the clock's ticking and one guy's got to make the call, and that was Andy. Well, now it's Howie. Uh, and I mean, I mean, he listens to what everybody says, but, and sometimes if, and listen, it, it, it'd it be great if it was unanimous, if everybody said, yeah, he's the guy. And I kind of think it was that way last year with Devontae Smith. There wasn't much argument there. I think everybody agreed he was the guy. Well, some years there's disagreement, some years there's agreement, but ultimately, Howie's the one that makes the decision.
1: Well, we know that Jeff Lorrey uh, was entirely on his own drafting Jordan Milana. Apparently so. <laughs> Hey, um, somebody, a friend of mine, Jay, wanted me to ask you a question about the Eagles signing Devin Allen, the uh, the guy who hasn't the played hurdler. football. The hurdler, the speedster, hasn't played football since 2016 uh, with the Oregon Ducks. Mm-hmm. The Eagles sign him. Um, I mean, there's no risk there, right? They, they no. Can, they can let him go. Um, any hope here? Um, long shot. But yeah. you just, you, I mean, you just
2: mentioned a long shot. Jordan Mailata. You know, I mean, who could be a longer shot than a guy that's never played football? Uh, And he's turned out to be a guy that's probably going to be a pro ball player probably this year. Could have been a pro ball player last year, to be honest. Uh, But Devin Allen, yeah, I mean, he's 27, uh, hasn't played football in a while. Uh, He's really more of a track man than a football player. Uh, We've been down this road before. I mean, I've seen the Eagles.
1: You 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 helped dress one of the guys (laughs) who
2: did this. I, (laughs) I, I helped dress John Carlos for his first for his first practice, he had literally never put on a football uniform. What are these uniform. pads about? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I literally had to dress him because he he didn't know how to put a football uniform on. Um, now that was a, that was an utter long shot because John had never played football. Um, the guys who the track guys who have made successful conversions to football are guys that have a football background. I mean, you kind of have to have that. You know, Ron Brown was like that. Uh, Bob Hayes was like that. Um, you know, but you get guys that are pure track guys, and you just say, well, they're great athletes; they have great speed. But if they've never played football. It's just too much to overcome. I mean, Ronaldo Nehemiah comes to mind. It was a, an absolute was the best hurdler in the world, uh, but had no real football background. Bill Walsh tried; he thought he could make him into a football player, and he carried him for a couple of years. I think I think Skeets I think Skeets has a Super Bowl ring. I think he was on mm-hmm. at least one of their Super Bowl teams, but he never really had a breakthrough in pro football. Um, the Eagles are just hoping that the you know with Devin Allen they could. I mean, he's got. He's got tremendous speed, obviously. You know, runs four three, four, four. Great athlete, hurdler. Uh, but he hasn't he hasn't played real football since twenty sixteen. They're just taking a shot. You know, and I think that it's one of those deals that if he comes in and I don't think he's gonna be on your fifty three, but if he comes in and he has a good training camp and looks like he's picking it up, you know, maybe he's a guy he put on a practice squad
1: for a develop, year, yeah. And give him yep. a chance to develop and maybe right. he'll find something. Right. As you said, no risk, maybe reward, why not? Why not? Two one five, five nine two, ninety four ninety four coming up at noon. Tell us your story with Mitch Williams. Ray, I always you always are good at setting these things up.
2: Yeah, well, um I, I don't think Mitch needs much setup.
1: <laughs> I think I think
2: everybody out in our audience knows who Mitch Williams is and what he meant to that ninety three team. Set the club record with I think forty three saves that year. Uh got the final punch out to win the championship series against the Braves that sent the Phillies to the World Series against the Toronto Blue Jays. And, of course, we all know what happened there. Uh, but Mitch has a, a fascinating career, a fascinating life story. And at the end, he tells us what he's doing now with his son, who's a rising young athlete in his own right. It's really, really a good story.
1: Ray and Glenn on 94 WIP.
2: Baseball is back. That's just what we were talking about. And Shy Vintage Sports is your home for throwback fashions this spring. Locally-owned Scheib carries national brands as well as original designs by Philly artists. So if you're, thinking, if you're thinking nostalgia, Philly's nostalgia for baseball, you're thinking powder blue and maroon, of course. You're thinking about those Philadelphia Athletics and Ferris Fain and Bobby Shands. And Negro League teams like the Stars, where every sale benefits the Anderson Monarch Youth Baseball Program in South Philadelphia. So you're shopping, and you're shopping for a good cause. Support a locally-owned business giving back to the Philadelphia community. Shop Shive Vintage Sports at 13th of Walnuts or ShiveSports.com. And remember, you tell them that Ray sent you and you will get 15% off. From the Augusta National Golf Club, Westwood
0: One Sports presents this special report on the Masters. I'm Ted Emmerich. After a 4-over 76 on Thursday, Justin Thomas looked headed towards slamming his trunk and heading home this evening. But Thomas won't just play the weekend here. He might be a factor. Nine iron for Justin Thomas. He's got to stand on this. Starts it out to the right. Flag is on the left. Takes a big hop to the left from 166. Here this one
1: comes down the hill. Hang on a second. Justin Thomas has hit it to a couple of inches. Whoa! Stewart Sink made a hole in one about an hour ago. And JT just about put it in on top of him. What a shot.
0: Brian Kigtrick, the call on at 16 there on Sirius XM. Thomas with the kick in birdie. He's five under for the round. Best score of the day. JT is six off the lead. Scotty Scheffler, seven under par. And he's got three feet for birdie coming up at 16. You're listening to coverage of the 2022 Masters on Westwood Watt.
6: My name is Douglas. I'm 79 and I live in Chicago. I'm a writer, director. I used to be a marathon runner. Now I'm a walker. In the kind of work that I do, you are surrounded by people who are all younger than you. Memory became a factor. As everyone gets older, where did I put my keys? But I had to get help somewhere along the line to stay competitive. I happened across Prevagen and I started taking it. I saw myself having an improved memory, which at the same time, I felt better about myself. I could not be doing what I'm doing today had it not been for Prevagen. Prevagen, healthier brain,
0: better life. Douglas is a paid testimonialist and real Prevagen user. Based on a clinical study of subgroups of individuals who are cognitively normal or mildly impaired, this product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Tiger Woods is going to make the cut in his first tournament since the car crash last year, sporting a turquoise golf shirt and navy pants. Woods on the green at 18, two over for his round and one over for the tournament. He's eight off the lead. Let's check the leaderboard. Sponsored by Prevagen. Prevagen is the most recommended memory support brand by pharmacists. Woods doffing his cap after making his par putt at 18, acknowledging the patrons. Woods at one over Heading into the weekend, the leader is Scotty Scheffler at seven under par. Scheffler with three holes to go, four under today. Charles Schwartzel, Sung J.M., Shane Lowry, Hideki Matsuyama, all at three under, four shots back of the number one player in the world. From Augusta, I'm Ted Emmerich, Westwood One Sports.
1: Hi, this is the time of the uh, show on Saturday. We check in with our doctors from Cooper Bone and Joint. Dr. Mark Pollard is with us now. Doc, thanks for being part of the show. Um, Mickey Moniak is the story today. Had a great spring. Looked like the first pick, overall pick, was finally going to pay off six years later. In a game where he hits a home run, in his next at-bat, he gets hit by a pitch, has a hairline fracture... Um, and I've seen it variously on the wrist and the hand, so I'm, I'm thinking it's a, where the wrist turns into the hand, and he's going to be out for four to six weeks. So I guess the question I would ask you, and obviously you don't have a look at his medical records and x-rays and stuff, but describe, let's just start with this. Describe what a hairline fracture is as opposed to a fracture.
7: Uh, well, both are actually fractures. You know, fractures where uh, the normal... Architecture of a bone is altered, but you know a hairline fracture is essentially just a, a non-displaced crack, as opposed to a displaced fracture, which is where the two pieces of the bone actually move. Mm-hmm. And the distinction is important because you know a non-displaced or hairline uh, fracture uh, tends to be able to heal much more quickly than a displaced fracture would. And you know most of the time, you, especially in the hand, you don't necessarily have to do any surgical procedure to
1: it. So what is what do you do uh, with this? Is it just, you know, you wait and you let it heal and you do nothing and you eat with your other hand? Or what do you do?
7: Um, well, it, it depends strongly on, on which bone specifically is involved. So obviously we don't know exactly which one it is. Um, you know, for some of the the finger bones, you essentially just, you know, buddy tape, you know, tape the finger to the one next to it just to mm-hmm. kind of protect it so it doesn't get caught and, you know, uh, displace and you know and just let the fingers move because you know if it's a, if it's in the fingers you want to prevent stiffness uh, so you want to try to encourage early motion as it's safe, whereas you know in the wrist um, a lot of times you will actually you know splint it or put it in a cast something to immobilize it to help protect it, so it doesn't displace just because they're a little bit more prone to uh, risk of displacing uh and you know the wrist doesn't necessarily get stiff so quickly all
1: right dr uh pollard as always thank you for your expertise we appreciate it and enjoy your weekend all right thanks you as well all right there you go ray i was going to ask him if he can come back and uh still hit 20 home runs this year but we'll, <laughs> we'll find out all right let's uh we're going to take a break here and uh very exciting. this is this is a really fun tell us your story by the way ray this is our 105th tell us your story wow yeah i know
2: Who knew? (laughs) Yeah, we'll do this for a couple weeks. Yeah, we Uh, started, I figured this will get us through the month. Yeah,
1: Mitch Williams, uh, a a very interesting character and obviously a very important player in the history of this town. Uh, The closer for the 93 Phillies, one of everybody's favorite teams, joins us next with Ray and Glenn on Tell Us Your Story.